This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Lake Boomers. Today we have a special guest, Paul Zolman, an entrepreneur who is known as the love language linguist and best-selling author of books, Role of Love, Role of Love Journal, and 101 Ways to Express Love. And I'm Mary Elkins. Paul has created a method that demonstrates how all of us can learn to bring love and more love into our lives and conquer old learned behaviors of anger and abuse. Welcome, Paul. Thank you very much. So delighted to be here. Great to have you. Please you. tell us about your background and how it led to the path you are on today. Thank you, Kathy. That, with my background, I, I kind of want to start a, a generation back or two back oh. because I think this becomes... Uh, things that we learn come from the generation that we learned it from, and it came from that generation that they learned it from. And so I want to start a little bit with my grandfather. He was uh, born in the in the 1800s, and in the late 1800s, he had uh, had a wife and and had nine children. Suddenly, after that, the ninth child was born, that his wife passed away. And he must have been terribly distraught, as most people would be if their spouse passed away. So distraught, though, that he sold the farm, sold all the equipment. And when he had that auction, when people came to the auction, he said, and would you like this child? And would you like this child? Wow. And, they, he auctioned off he, children? He, no, didn't auction them off, just gave them. Gave them. Away. So systematically gave away all the children except for one. He took Benjamin with him. This was in Indiana. He took Benjamin with him to Montana. And in Montana, found a school teacher that had never been married, had another 10 children, of which my father was number six. When oh. my, father, my father was born in 1922, and when he was 10 years old, this grandfather passed away. My, my, my grandfather, his father passed away. So he's 10 years old, in the middle of a depression, the Great Depression, 1932. And, and he's, so now they not only have abandonment of 19 children, that they're dealing with, but they've got the, they're dealing with the economic woes of the time. And, you know, my grandmother being a school teacher, she was very, very kind to children. And um, I remember her very well. And her, she, she lived up to her name. Her name was Grace. And she just really lived up to the name. I just love that grandmother. And she may have just, just had a hard, really hard time. There, the economic times are so bad that my father only made it to eighth grade didn't have any school in past eighth grade. So he became a truck driver. And he was, when I was growing up, he was gone during the week and then home on the weekends. One thing I really admire about my father is that every Friday when he came home, 
he took my mother my mother out on a date. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very creative because it was always the same place, always the same venue. Everything was the same. It was always the Maverick Bar, and it was always there was always alcohol involved. Then, you know, as couples do when they see each other again, they say, "Well, how was your week? How was your week?" And they just they disgorge like that. And my mother, she must have started at the oldest of the children and got down to me. I'm number ten of eleven children, oh, and, uh, wow. and so so big families. I, I only had eight. I'm trying to tone it down a little bit. I only had eight <laughs> children. So 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 he she st- starts must start at the oldest. And so, so the pattern for, for my father, and, and I, it's a pattern I discovered for myself, is that he probably got annoyed, and then he got annoyed again, and then he got annoyed again, and then he got annoyed again, and then he flashed. So the kids were kind of the brunt of the flash. And since I'm the last boy, I'm sandwiched between two girls. And so I thought I was pretty mild. But if I even hurt the girls, if I did anything that was mean to those girls, I would get double double wrath and it was just wow. it was just horrible i remember that you wouldn't look forward to the the weekends in in my my home you'd look forward to a belt or or a severe spanking I all, remember the time? One, all the pretty regular there were a few times i remember that um he must have must have just had a, a bone of kindness on that particular day but it just it was regular it was consistent is what i thought was love at the time because it's just families together. But it's the same time you didn't know who to call. I remember one time that I was black and blue on my rear for more than three weeks. It was just a severe spanking. The t- the t- from whatever I did to the time of the punishment, I had no idea. I couldn't remember what I'd done wrong. I couldn't remember <laughs> why I was getting that punishment. So there, that lag in time. So that was just kind of the flavor of what I grew up with. So. At the time, I, I thought the only way I can get out of here is just move out. And so after my junior year of high school, I moved moved away from home, moved in with my brother, and and he uh, stayed with him six months, and then his company transferred him to California and then just continued to grow up um, in that area. But <clears throat> so by the, by the time I'm age 35, I have just had a lot of relationship issues, a lot of social issues that way, a lot of pent-up anger residual anger is what I call it. And I, I kept blaming my father for all this. And by the time I'm 35, he's dead seven years. I'm blaming this guy that has no, he, he can't defend himself because he's not here to defend himself. We really never resolved a lot of those things. So I kept blaming him. But one thing that I found out about blame is that if you've got somebody to blame, you don't have to change. It's their fault. It's their problem. Mm-hmm. And so you you don't have to do anything to make make it right. I realized that uh, I was responsible for my own actions. It was just mm-hmm. kind of just one of those epiphanies that said, "Oh no, no, now I've got to be responsible." I, after all these years, I've got to be responsible. And so I started being more responsible. Started really kind of trying to program my mind, say that I'm not going to get angry. But I, I had that same issue that I would. Be annoyed, be annoyed, be annoyed, be annoyed, and then flash. Just have a flash of anger until you just kind of aired out, just went back down. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you how you changed course uh, with all of this anger and violence being passed through the generations. How do you change course and create loving relationships? And also, what about anger management? Does that help? That's Both of those are great questions. And so I I think that uh, I, I was making that declaration, I'm not going to be angry. And I think that a negative declaration like that does not help. That that and I found that it really didn't help me that much at all. And so I actually attended an anger management class that uh, when I was about forty-two, because it wasn't going away. I went to an anger management class, and I actually had an incident where where I I found myself I slapped my child, and I and I felt so bad about that that I called in, and it was before work. It was early morning where we were actually reading the Bible. Um, reading the scriptures and 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 my little three-year-old was sitting on my um, my wife's lap and and was just flailing and all of a sudden he hit her glasses and they flew off and I don't think it broke broke the glasses but it was just so disrupting that I just I slapped him and I felt wow. like I, I felt so bad that on my way to work that morning I made the phone call to the Department of Family Services and found it was nobody was there so i left a message and it, from that message i said i just lost my temper I, I that i slapped my child and I, I wanted some help so it was a cry for help that i volunteered i knew that i wanted to get away from whatever i grew up with and not and stop that activity so what happened was that w- i went to work i was it was a commute for about 40 miles and um, while i'm at work uh, a couple hours later my wife calls and and told me what happened that they, they had sent some people to the house inspected the child and and then that they made a declaration I could not go home I couldn't be there again and uh, and until something oh. yeah so I couldn't even go home so I had to call a friend and spend the night with a friend and then in that time period the chief of police came to pick me up drove me around town read me my rights and and just I was arrested for oh. for, for ch- child abuse. I voluntarily called and and this is the kind of help they're offering. So I, I was sentenced actually to um 18 months probation and a year of that anger management. And when I'm in the class, there are people in the class that the reason they're there is cuz they got caught. And the, so mm-hmm. one guy one guy had held up his wife by the neck like this with her against the wall with her feet off the ground until she, passed, until she passed out. And then another guy had beat his wife so badly or his girlfriend so badly that she was in the hospital. And I'm in that, in that room with these guys trying to learn anger management. And, and it's, it was just so interesting that they would have you record or have, have you write about times that where you got upset. And, and what would happen with that is that, all the charges that were against those guys or, or myself, I realized that, oh, they're piling this on. They're taking what you're writing in the class and they're reporting that to the authorities. And now these guys are getting into more trouble. And it's uh. just, and that was that was anger management. Wouldn't you be a little bit angry about that? Yeah, about but anger. The, yeah, and the anger, anger management. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, so that's, that's the situation. But what I did find very helpful in the class, I tried to put my head down, really study the material. I found that the, the, 
showed a kind of a wheel of abuse. And that on that wheel of abuse were about 13 or 14 different types of abuse. And each type had a little sub um, subtitles of what was uh, uh, that type of abuse, like, for, for example, pet abuse and, and just uh, that sort of abuse, financial abuse, uh, economic abuse, uh, of course, child abuse, the uh, cultural abuse that you're dissing or you're putting down a, one particular culture um, if there's a, kind of an intercultural marriage and just all these different kinds of abuses. And I found that I was raised to be an abuser. I was raised with that type of attitude that it was okay. And something I find out that's not okay. And what you thought happened? it was love. And I thought it was love. I had all this misconception of what love was. But what it did for me is that it helped me understand, well, if that's abuse, I thought, well, what would be the opposite of that? And and that's what kind of helped me more than anything. It's just my own thoughts. They weren't teaching it that way, but that's kind of just where my mind went. I said, well, if that's abuse, why are you teaching me more about abuse? Yeah, I'm already mm-hmm. feeling ter- terrible. I've already volunteered to be here. Mm-hmm. Already, you know, why, why do I need to learn more about abuse? But it was just valuable to know that what the opposite was. And I, the other day I was walking around my neighborhood and I found, found this, this stick here that uh, it doesn't have any bark on it. One side of the stick's very nice. And the other side of the stick, you know, it just kind of has some knots on it. So I call it my naughty and my nice stick. I think, I think Santa Claus probably has a stick like that. And that's how we get, you know, kids get their presents from the naughty and nice stick. It just keeps track. What this did for me is to help me realize what's on the naughty side of the stick or the naughty side of the spectrum versus what's, what does the nice side of the spectrum look like? And it was more pronounced even even a little bit later um, from that first marriage, just the antics I had and that sort of thing. We really ended up getting divorced after 23 and a half years. Mm-hmm. I, was, yeah. I was single and, um, and I just kind of a little bit down. And my sister noticed, my older sister noticed I was a little down, said, you seem lonely. Now, and then after the next sentence was, I want to introduce you to someone. Uh, I, I had just come off a year and a half of what I call destination dating. I was done. Yeah. I would, did, not, did not want to do that again. Mm-hmm. I, at the time when I started destination dating, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. But I went down to Daytona Beach and Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, New York City, Nashville, Kansas City, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, uh, Las wow. Vegas, Snowflake, Arizona, and Cabo San Lucas. Went to all wow. those places and a, and a few more for dates, just for a date. Oh, wow. It was That's a great time. Dedication. It was dedication. A it was a fabulous well, Paul, time for Paul, fun. Yeah. Paul, tell, tell us about your books, Role of Love, Role of Love Journal, and 101 Ways to Express Love. And talk about your role of love program and how that works. Okay. I'm getting there, Kathy. I'm almost there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this so I, I I decide to date this girl that my, my sister tries to introduce and, and it's and the relationship starts to develop. We start to uh, like each other. And so I take her up to my brother for big brother approval. Like I said, I'm number ten of eleven. You have to have big brother, big sister approval. 
So I take her up 300 miles north to my brother. And first thing that happens when I when I go in the house is that I, uh, my sister-in-law pulls her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first I said, uh-uh, I denied it. Then it made me mad. I thought, huh, she nailed it, that I still get anger and I still, uh, still have those tendencies passed down from the generations. So I thought at that moment, that's, that, that is a time that this, is, this has to end. I, I can be the person to stop this. So I started reading the color code and I started reading the five love languages. And I kind of settled on the five love languages, the principles of the five love languages, but I didn't get it. Coming from where I came from, I didn't get it. You mean, you mean, Dr. Chapman, I'm supposed to guess what your, what Kathy and Mary's love language is and then cater to that? That doesn't sound <laughs> like love. That sounds more like a manipulation. It sounds like more of a, a duty bound thing that you're supposed to do. And, and it kind of, uh, prepped it for the pity party that would come after that and said, well, I told you how to love me. How come you're not doing it? And it's just that little whiny voice. It just didn't work for me. I didn't think that was love. So that didn't work. And then the second thing that Dr. Chapman had was, well, this survey. You take this survey, then you find out what your primary love language is. Mm-hmm. And then what? What do you do with that? Advertise? Hello, Kathy. I'm, I'm gifts. What do you have for me today? I mean, how do you advertise mm-hmm. that? It's just a little bit awkward. I'm gifts. I'm gifts. Yeah, I like that one. So <laughs> that didn't work for me either. So so I thought, you know, I I liked games as a kid. But I thought maybe I can make it a game because the games actually, during that time, even of that abusive time, the games brought our family together. I thought maybe this will help me get this together as far as love. So I contacted Dr. Chapman. And ask him, are you licensing those icons that have those pictures that you have for each one of the love languages? And he wrote a letter back through his attorney and said, no, I'm not doing that. So I contacted an attorney here locally, found out that prince, principles or, or a, a theory is not copyrightable, but application is. So I just mm-hmm. decided, yeah. well, I'll make my own icons because his were old and kind of, um, you know, out of date. I make my own icons and then put it on the die. So that's what I did. So this is what the die looks like. Would you describe it for our listening audience? Sure. So right now I'm holding up uh, an hourglass that's held up by a hand. And so that's time. Now it looks like a serving plate that a server would be holding. That's service. I've got the hearts, heart with a conversation fly out. Those are the words. Two hands touching each other, that's touch. And then, of course, the gifts that we've already talked about. So five love languages, six sides on the dice. This one surprised me. So there's just two instructions. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice giving away all day that day. All day. Each day you roll a different one. Only to your partner or to everybody? Everybody. I created this, Kathy, when I created it when I was single, so I couldn't do that rule that Dr. Chapman had. I didn't have a significant other, but I, I thought, uh, thought you know, if, if I had a significant other anyway, that would be just kind of part-time love. And you go to work and you don't love and you, you come back and, and you forget, oh, I'm supposed to love again. And you just have this, this day that could be chopped up. 
you just really wouldn't develop that loving everyone attitude and that mindset. And so, so, so I created this just for myself so that I could overcome that flash of anger. Now, instead of saying what's wrong with people and going down that critical path, that judgmental path, it's all about what's right with that person. What can I love about that person? And I was so busy doing that, Kathy and Mary, that that by doing that, I didn't have the mindset. I wasn't even going to be annoyed about what that person is doing. Even if they pull right in front of me while I'm driving, I'm not annoyed at that. I'm just, I'm just focused on what's right about that person. What can I love about that person? And by doing that over a 30-day period, making it a habit, it just it completely that the anger completely went away. It was mm. uh, miraculous that it only took 30 days for this to happen. So I wow. wrote a die every day. The, the one that says, surprise me, you're going to be doing random acts of kindness. Otherwise, you're staying in the lane doing doing what, what you're supposed to mm-hmm. do with one of those love languages, sending it out. The beauty of this is that when you send it out over a 30-day period, you will have practiced giving away all five love languages. By doing mm-hmm. that, it, it actually improves your vision so you can see it when it comes your way and respond appropriately. I found out that, that in my studies, uh, Dr. Chapman's book was really confusing to me. Well, now, is that what I'm sending out or is that what I'm receiving? Is my primary love language what I like to get or what I like to send out? And it just was confusing to me. So I thought, maybe there's 10 love languages like that. And so I thought, you know what? I mean, I, I got to simplify this and make it so it works for me. So I realized that I have zero control over bidding love to come my way. But I have total control, absolute control over sending it out. Just sending it out without any expectation that's coming back, but trusting that what you send out comes back to you. Just for example, if you get angry at somebody and you send that out, guess what? It's coming right back to you. Just It's kind of the law of harvest and you get an immediate return. You get a return on your investment too in this way of sending love out. And what I'm watching for when I send it out for people to light up. When they light up, that's that's their primary love language or one of their primary love languages. No longer do you have to pause the relationship, pause the conversation, say, could you take this survey so I can figure out how to love you? You don't have to do that anymore. No more awkwardness. It's just watching, using your observation skills to watch what people's reactions are. And just and just make a mental note and then wash, rinse, repeat. Do it over and over again. And that's so what your book's you're out, about. If you're out on a day a day of running errands and you've you've rolled the dice in the morning and you've gotten the gift language, are you giving gifts everywhere you go when you go into the grocery store? When you go, I have a friend that actually carries chocolate bars. That she has pre-purchased, and when she meets somebody, she says, "Would you like a chocolate bar?" And she does it all day long. Oh. But is that is that the kind of thing you do on a on a giving day? So on a giving day, it's it really depends on on what I'm doing that day and, and the circumstances. So I actually I actually have dice, and I, I I regularly send out dice so that people also can love. But, but for giving, I'm watching for opportunities to also give service or also give, give an op, uh, give them, uh, give them my time. 
I mean, there are different ways to give gifts that don't cost any money. Back to a funny, funny story, Kathy, is that my son hates, hates, hates it when he rolls gifts, just absolutely hates it. Oh, mm. you know, one day he rolled it, <laughs> one day he rolled it and he said, oh, it's gifts. And he just, 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 and then he rolled it again. It was gifts again. And then he rolled it again. It was gifts again. And the fourth uh-huh. time he rolled it, it mm. was gift. I said, son, you got to just, why don't you just listen to what, what you're supposed to be doing today? And it was just interesting, just fun, fun stuff like that. It's just, it's out of our comfort zone. If it's not our primary love language that we're giving away, it usually is kind of out of our comfort zone. But this is the whole beauty of this, that, that you learn all five love languages, and that's how you become the love language linguist. It's a sexy title. I know you guys want to put it on your resume. You can after you've practiced this for, for 30 days and it becomes a habit because you know them backwards and forwards. It has to be comfortable for you. It has to get to that point that you're comfortable in, in finding creative ways, Kathy, finding creative ways to send out gifts. In fact, mm-hmm. um, I've got a, a teacher and, and her husband here locally that, that they, he knew she didn't like gifts, but he knew she liked words. And so what he did was he put just wrote her a nice little note and put it in a little package and gave that note Aww. to her as a gift in a package. And so it doesn't, Aww. like it said, it didn't cost anything for that, but just mm-hmm. wrapping it up and, and making it a, a gift that she would accept. And when she read the note, she just melts her heart and that's, she lit up. And that's, that's what, that's the kind of things that we're thinking about. Oh, that's beautiful. I was going to ask you how, how you implemented your program, but you, you've told us. Um, but in your book, 101 Ways to Love, are there really 101 ways? And how do you show that? So what I've done in that book, that, that particular book, I wrote that several years ago, but that, that book is just a list of, of at least 20 to 21 suggestions in, in each genre. Of, of the love languages, just 21 suggestions of, of how to send it out in, the, in that particular way. So, but the, the current book is, the, is called The Role of Love. This is the one that's become the international bestseller. And it's just, it's, it's stories like I just told you, but it's stories of, of a family, a family of five children. The youngest is four years old. One day he rolled, he rolled physical touch. And he's jumping up and down, fist pumping his fist like this. Yes, physical touch, physical touch. He's a boy. And and immediately he goes and beats up on his brothers. Oh. <laughs> That's his love for his brothers. So his, his mother, just like you, Kathy, his mother just tried to suppress the laughter and, and not to encourage that kind of behavior and thought right. this, is a, this is a perfect teaching moment. And that's kind of what it becomes. Because a teaching moment said, son, this is more appropriate physical touch. This is kind of what we do when we express love. And so it became a teaching moment, as it will for anybody. You'll notice that on, on the dice that there, there are no, uh, no, no words. It's all pictures. So if I say the word elephant, you're seeing in your mind, you're not seeing E-L-E-P-H-N-T, but you're seeing that icon. And I did that on purpose because it's a memory hook. Whatever you mm. roll at the beginning of the day, you can remember if it's a picture. You'll remember it a whole lot longer if it's a picture because it'll be kind of burned in, into your mind. This is what you're practicing that day. 
And it works for children that are not, not even reading. When they learn how to read, they're watching the pictures that you turn to, as you turn the pages of the book. And it's the pictures what they identify with the story part. And after a certain period of time, they could tell you the story just by looking at the pictures and not, you still not know how to read. This is for that purpose is that even small children can learn how to do this and learn to refine their loving skills. And speaking of children, I think that uh, putting this in the school system would be really an ideal situation. Just think of this. In the classroom, at the beginning of the day, it takes two seconds to roll the die, maybe 30 seconds more for the teachers to say, class, we're looking for this type of behavior in the classroom today. So this teacher that I just talked about, about her husband giving her the note for a gift, she pr- did this in her classroom, and she said... <clears throat> They wrote words, and it was just, she explained it at the beginning of the day, and that she said it was the best class day she's ever had in her whole life, in her whole teaching career, that the children really will will respond to this. They'll soon be able to realize that they're responsible for their own actions and what they send out. So to make them even more more accountable, I created a journal book. In the journal Mm -hmm. book, it has what you wrote that day, what opportunities you saw to love in that way, what you did about those opportunities. So for the teachers, I send out a PDF of that so they can print as many copies as they, they would like. I provide them permission to do that. It's all copyright. But I provide them permission to do that. So, mm-hmm. so at the start of the day, you're rolling the die. All through the day, you're watching for opportunities. At the end of the day, the last 10 to 15 minutes of class is non-productive time anyway. The kids are antsy. They've been there all day. They know the bell's going to ring. It's just non-productive time. Ask any teacher. They know it's really hard. That last 10 10 to 15 minutes before the bell rings. Take that time now and just make a a journal entry. There's a a yogurt uh, yogurt land franchisee here in in my area that said if they'll do that for 15 days of of the month, which which is not every every single day, but if they'll do it for 15 days a month, they'll give them five ounces of yogurt for free. Hmm. If they'll do, if they they'll, have to bring in bring in the journal and show it. No, no, they don't. The, the teachers, the person that does pass fail. So the teacher, oh, teachers, yeah. they do a pass fail. They do a red check mark or something, and then they send it home with the child. You can't imagine how many journals that would be for the teacher to try to keep track of. <laughs> oh. Year. So we're not putting that responsibility on the teacher. So they send it yeah. home and hopefully that child will keep those journals day by day because they're the date on them day by day. At the end of the year, they actually have a love journal from first grade or a love journal from second grade or third grade. Who wouldn't have loved to have something like that? You know, the journal I got from my mother or my and my grandmother talked about the weather, the weather 60 years ago. Who cares about the weather 60 years ago? I could have looked yeah, at should write. I, I could have looked should. in the almanac for that. Yeah. But yeah. I would have you know, loved. Paul, we know you spent time in Japan. So what did you do there? And how did you how did your time in that country and the Japanese culture influence you? Uh, it's a really good question, Kathy. And I'll tell you, I was a missionary in Japan and part of oh. part of the part of the mission roles were that you needed to write your parents. And so it really had a, a heavy impact on me. And I'm glad you asked that question because nobody ever has asked that question before. So I appreciate that. What I did was I decided I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to keep that 
that mission rule to write your parents once a week. It was it was back in the days of snail mail. There was no email. There was no uh, no no other way to contact. It was just you'd have to write a letter. And so I hand hand wrote letters for for two years. And at the end of that two years, I thought, you know what? That was only a mission rule, but but even as a mission rule, it was a habit. Mm. I thought, this is a good habit. Do I want to keep that good habit or do I want to let it go? And I decided I wanted to keep that habit. And it, it, no matter how I was raised, I still had the idea that I should respect my parents. As it says in the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment is honor thy father and thy mother. And so I thought this is a great way that I can continue to honor my father and my mother. So I did it for 32 years, and I've got over right. until they both passed passed away uh, in that 32 year period, and I've got over 1,500 letters that way. So as far as the impact that that had, I felt that that writing a letter kept me helped me be more responsible for my own actions. Mm. So letter. did you not did you not mail those? You kept the letters. No, no, I mailed them. I, I yeah, absolutely. They, sa- they saved them. They saved them. Yeah, and and when when my mother was was in her eighties, she she told me. Uh, I I said, Mom, what do you what do you think about these letters? All these letters are written. She she said said I go to the mailbox every Thursday, and if the letter's not there, I get worried. And so, she, so it became kind of an expectation for her at that time to have that letter on Thursday every week. So I just made mm-hmm. sure that I had it mailed and, and just went through the process so that she would get it on her Thursday every every single week. Beautiful. It was, it was just something that that softened those uh, feelings of any animosity toward my parents, really softened that, and it really helped me think, yeah, this is a great way to love. What else can I do? How else yeah. can I honor my parents? And so it, it it did spur me to this type of type of tool that I've created at, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Great. Thank you. I I was um going to ask another question, but in um in in as far as time goes, I'm really curious if your program will work for single people and helping people to love themselves because I think that's a big issue that most people don't address. Absolutely. So I, as I mentioned, I created this when I was single because I didn't have a significant other. So it absolutely works for single people just watching for these opportunities to love and just expressing love to everyone that you come in contact with just the kind words, the, you know, you, you're not racing to get into the front of the line. You're just uh, people butting in. You have no control over what other people are doing. And when you can get to the point where you're not annoyed by what other people are doing, you're focused on the kindness that you're sending out. And whether it's well-received or, or, or it's sent back in your face, it doesn't matter. You still have determined that that's the type of person that you're going to be. You're going to be sending that love out, and that's who you are doesn't matter who they are they're not they're at a different point in their life and you you mentioned the the picture behind me that it's it's everybody has clouds in their life everybody has things and problems and adversity in their life and it took me uh, uh, about six months of driving seeing sunrises and sunsets uh, on a, in a work day and I was a lot of windshield time I was 
uh, in a delivery van for for candy actually in um, and when I when I saw the sunrise and I saw the sunset it, it kind of dawned on me pardon the pun but it dawned on me that the very best sunrises and the very best sunsets have clouds so it is with our life that we will have these adversities in our life but at the end of our life there'll be the silver lining clouds there'll be something that we'll be proud of something some adversities that we've worked through and it'll be a beautiful beautiful life and can you tell us how are you marketing your programs it's only being marketed right now on on my website and uh, oh, okay. a, little, a little bit of social media advertising that we're doing but the website is rolloflove.com and it's and it's not I did a play on words it's not r o l l the dice like like you would think but it's r o l e something that changes you within even though rolling the die and determining what love language you're practicing that day is outside of you you're bringing it in it's called roll of r o l e of love.com mm great Love Can it. you talk about others who've been helped by your program and also what mental health experts say about it? The first review in the book is actually from a mental health expert. And it was just March of last year that this that I had a meeting with him and I only had the die at the time. He said that this this is so powerful, you re- really need to write a book about it and kind of do a revision of the five love languages or just another, another book. And I didn't feel comfortable doing a revision because I didn't own the rights to the five love languages. So I decided to write a book. And just from the encouragement of that mental health professional, that's what I did. And he thought it was powerful enough that this really needs to be out to the public. It's powerful enough that it changed me enough and uh, would change mm-hmm. others well enough that it's, it's something that to be out there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, other, what other people are talking about and other people that have helped is just uh, – is just people that are kind of in the same situation. They want to overcome something that's on the naughty side of the stick, something that that is more in the culture of the anger. And anger has its own culture. It has its own humor. It has its own, own vocabulary, its own nuances. It's, it's a culture all by itself. Some people that want to break out of a culture that's on the naughty side of the stick and move more toward the loving culture where it has the love languages, kind humor, and thought, thoughtful things that people say just move toward that end of the spectrum. And one thing that about that spectrum is that you really have to find out where you are on the spectrum before you can make any movement on the spectrum. You can There's three choices you can make once you find out where you're at. You can stay where you're at to keep blaming people and you don't have to change, or you can move to the left, move more toward anger, or you can move to the right, more toward love. And, and you have a choice. Once you find out where you're at, just take, for example, just the word word or the vocabulary that we use. Say, if we think of sarcasm, is that on the naughty side of the stick or the, uh, or the nice side of the stick? I would think it's yeah. more on the naughty side of the stick. Even as funny as it yeah. is at sometimes, it's on the naughty side of the stick. So what would be the opposite of that? And that's kind of the, the thought process I was going through when I was going through the anger management, it was what's on the opposite side of that stick? And I thought, well, if sarcasm's on the naughty side of the stick, then authenticity or being genuine or being true would be more on the, the nice side of the stick. Those are all worthy objectives to have 
to get away from sarcasm, just to be authentic. That's great. And Paul, what would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today? I think that this really has a crossover into a lot of things. And one of the crossovers that I found is that is, is to the to the yoga tribe, the yoga community, that at the end of every class, they put their hands together like this with the fingers pointed up, upwards, the thumbs to the breast, and they, and they say namaste. Namaste and translated means the God in me sees the God in you, or the divine in me sees the divine in you. This is exactly what we're talking about. We're watching for those things that are really good about another person, and we're helping them help, uh, recognize it themselves. Sometimes they don't. We're helping them recognize it themselves and always watching for the good of other people. Forget the media. They're always watching for the bad. We're changing lives by watching for the better, uh, the, the good in everybody. Good. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank Our you. guest today on Late Boomers has been Paul Zolman, who can help you transform your life into one of loving relationships. You can find Paul on all social media platforms and buy his dice and his books, Roll of Love, Roll of Love Journal, and 101 Ways to Express Love. And you can learn more about his programs at his website, rolloflove.com. Thank you again. Thank you so much. It's been a delight. Yeah, and please subscribe to our podcast, all you listeners on your favorite platform and on our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. And follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. We hope you are inspired by today's episode. Thanks for joining us. And thanks again, Paul. You bet. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.